Hey guys, Paul Reddick here. Welcome to the Baseball Dads Podcast. The world of baseball and the youth and especially the high school game is changing so rapidly. These rapid changes are bringing about a lot of confusion, a lot of frustration for today's parents that are trying to bring their son up in the game. So the purpose of this podcast is to use the experience of dads who have already gone through this journey and have navigated it successfully so we could take aim at that confusion and frustration and knock it out. We're going to talk to these dads about what they did right, about what they did wrong, what they would do more of, what they would do less of, and they're going to give you their advice for today's parents that are going through this game. So stay tuned for today's podcast. And make sure you go to BaseballDadsNewsletter.com where you can get a free trial in our monthly Baseball Dads Newsletter. So without any further delay, let's get on to today's show. Hey guys, Paul here with another edition of Baseball Dads Podcast. We're really lucky today because we not only have a dad on the phone, but we have someone who can bring us uh, some sense of the college recruiting process because I know that's a question we get a lot. Um, and, and I think everybody uh, knows the odds, but... Uh, we want to get into the realities of it today. So I want to welcome David Eastman, who's a professor at Ohio Wesleyan University and a baseball dad. So David, welcome to the show. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me. Uh, absolutely. So you sent me an email with a part. Uh, I want to touch on the part about your son first, uh, and then we'll go into the, the, the recruiting stuff because you have that unique experience. You sent me something in an email that um, I thought was really profound and really got to me. You want to uh, talk us through the conversation you had with your son after, uh, I guess you got one of our emails or saw one of our, our baseball dad things. Yeah, um, I saw one of the baseball dad, um, kind of the, the post just now, and I listened to the uh, one of the podcasts. And actually, I put him to bed, and I listened to the podcast, and I walked upstairs. And he was still awake, and I just sat, sat next to bed, and I said, my, my son's name is Nathaniel. I said, Nathaniel, I just want you to know that if you ever feel like I'm pushing you, or you ever feel like you're playing baseball to please me and not to please yourself, then please tell me. Like, I, I need you to tell me that, and I, I hope you'll always be honest with me about that. And he just looked at me, and he said, but, Dad, I love playing baseball. And there you go. So it was a great moment for me, but I really felt that conviction because sometimes I do feel like I'm, I have to kind of encourage him along a little bit. But it was that moment I, I want him to know that he's my son first and foremost, and that doesn't change whether he plays baseball or not. Um, but uh, the stuff that the recent stuff about baseball dads, man, it's, it's so helpful because I, I go to his games. He's on a travel team, and I see dads on the other team, and I think you're going to blow your kid's arm out, or this kid's not going to be having fun in two years, and I, I don't want to be that dad. Right, so right. Stuff you're doing and, great. <laughs> yeah, the, the big thing to pull from that is that he said it, is that instead of just yeah. saying, you know, like he, he got to articulate it, and now he, he made the decision. He knows uh, right. where you're going yeah. from there. So yeah. the second part of your email he just, said – He just turned 10. Yeah, he just turned 10. So he's not, you know, right. he's, not, he's not a teenager. And at the age of 10, he was able to say that. That made me feel good for now at least. <laughs> so. Right, and, and it's another thing too is to understand that um, kids are not – don't have that emotional development. You know, and some teenagers, even later, sometimes that doesn't come. I mean, uh, you know, there, there's there's years in my 20s I'm not particularly, you know, I thought I had emotional uh, development. But, you know, right. we that's why we're coaching them. That's why we're leading them, you know, so that we can have these conversations and, and help them uh, find the articulation and the answers that are, are inside of them. So um, there was a second part of your email that uh, got my attention is that you work 
uh, Ohio Wesleyan University. You're heavily involved in the baseball program there, and we wanted to talk about recruiting. So let's just kind of get right to the, the nitty-gritty of it. What is the reality of somebody possibly getting a college baseball scholarship? Well, the odds are very, very long. And this is – I run across this with parents when I meet with recruits on campus, and they say, well, we're hoping he's going to get a, a full scholarship to a D1 school. And I have to, like, stop <laughs> myself from reacting because it's, it's a pure numbers game. So let me just throw out some numbers. I guess – because basketball, men's basketball and football are what we see on TV, and they talk about full scholarships. People think that applies to all D1 schools. So the reality is, at a Division I baseball school, let's talk just D1, they are allowed a maximum of 11.7 scholarships. Now, how the NCAA came up with the number 11.7, I don't know. 11.7. That's, that's total. That is total scholarships. So, and the average They couldn't make it well. You, you know, couldn't make it 12, 12. no, it's 11.7. Right. <laughs> so right. It's like my, my, roster, my OCD, you know, just hockey, you just make it 12, you know. Make it 12. But uh, so average team is going to have 35 to 40 guys on the roster, and that's just on the playing roster. They're usually at, at a big school, other guys who are on the team but not really on the roster. So I just looked up, and one of the schools that's been successful recently is Vanderbilt. And their coach, Tim Corbin, he, he played his ball up here at Ohio Wesleyan. He's a great guy has a great program. I looked at his roster for next year, and there are 20 pitchers on the roster. That's just pitchers, which means they have 11.7 scholarships to divide among not just pitchers, but everybody. So when when college players get baseball scholarships, especially at D1 level, if if to get a full scholarship, you've got to be almost like a draft pick. It's because those scholarship, those sections are so precious. So what happens is they divide them. And very few guys actually get a full baseball scholarship. Most guys, if you're really, really, really good, you might get a half scholarship. More often, you're going to get a quarter scholarship or some part of that because they have to divide that up among everybody. So, that, so it's 11.7 at the, at the Division One level. Division Two, it's nine scholarships. And, and by the way, those are maximum. That's the maximum a school can do. Not everybody does 11.7. Some D1 schools. I can tell you. Yeah, I can tell you I know in New Jersey schools that are Division One schools that do not have 11.7 scholarships. It's a division, that's a Division One, yeah, Division One college. Yeah, three, four, five total scholarships. That's not that usual. It depends on how much money the school is willing to put to it. So maybe you have a roster of 40 guys and there are four total scholarships, which you, if you divide that up, is one tenth of a scholarship per person. So it's um, so the playing field for between Division One and the other divisions in the NCAA and the NAIA and, and JUCO, the playing field with baseball as far as scholarship money goes is much more level than it is in other sports, where there are more, particularly football and basketball, where there are more full scholarships. In baseball, it's a much more level playing field. Right. So here's the thing. When you think about this, um, and you think about so let's take a program like like Vanderbilt, right? If your yeah. son was good enough to be recruited to a program like Vanderbilt, that would be something. Yeah, that, yeah. that would be that would be something. And even with that something, we, I think we both agree your odds of getting a full ride to Vanderbilt are probably zero. Or pretty, pretty close, close to it. Yep. Yeah. Pretty close pretty, to it. Pretty, yeah. Yeah. They give them out, yeah. but they're very, yeah, extremely rare. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know what I this think? Is, this, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, this is, where the, this is where the numbers game 
comes in, and this is where I try to tell parents, don't look at the at the shelf price of a university or a college. Don't just go and say, well, that's how much it costs, because you got to find out what it's going to cost for you. And so if you get a you get a one quarter scholarship at Vanderbilt, that's great. You're still paying a lot of money. Vanderbilt's an expensive school. You get a one quarter scholarship to go to you know Wright State, good baseball program in Western Ohio. You're an in-state cool kid. You get a quarter scholarship. It's a very different um, calculation, and that's where also with D2 and D3 schools, the calculations sometimes turn out even better at the lower levels, just financially. Right, right. So I've always, you know, I've always had this uh, advice that I've given to uh, players of my. Now I come also from a scouting perspective, so I, I know it from a different side as well, but. Um, I can tell you that I, I spoke to a lot of players, and, and uh, I would – I'm, I'm going to butcher the quote. I'm even going to try it. Uh, there was a quote. I'll remember it in a second. But um, is that – remember that it, the, we glorify D1 as this, you know, you're going to be on ESPN, the College World Series, and Omaha, and all this kind of stuff. But in the reality of it, one of the questions I've always asked players, and I want you to comment on this, is when they say, I want to go D1. And my next question is, you've been playing baseball since you're seven years old. So you've been playing baseball 10 or 11 years at this point. You've, to the point where you're considering a D1 program, you've been a, probably a significant player. Are you okay for the first time in your life spending the next two years on the bench? <laughs> yeah. That's probably where you're going to be, you know, uh, most likely where you're going to be. Are you okay with that? And that is a – that's an eye So tell me the realities of that. Even like say, okay, now I've got a, a quarter or I've got a, a tenth scholarship to uh, Vanderbilt and I'm going to Vanderbilt and, you know, now what? Well, yeah, now then you're, now you're competing for spots with, with guys who are, who are going to be in the next draft. And so I don't want to pick on – let's just say if you look at schools in the Southeastern Conference, and you look at their rosters, one of the things you'll notice is at the top schools, there aren't a lot of seniors on the roster. There are some, but there aren't a lot, because many of them get picked off after their sophomore or junior year. They go, junior year, they go into the draft. So if, are you a year away from the draft? Because many of the guys at Vanderbilt are one year away from the draft. And, right. of course, they're the ones who are going to see the field. So there is definitely that, that dynamic to be aware of with, with D1 is um, when you go to D1 school, like I went to Ohio State. I love Division One athletics. When you go to a program like that, you're signing up for certain things. And one of the things you're signing up for is, is a much higher level of competition. There are also some realities to being in a Division One baseball program that are really challenging for athletes, especially for people who want to be student athletes as well. Right. Playing time is one of them for sure. And, and also to understand, too, for parents listening, whether however we don't want it to be, right, I'm all about the realities of the game. However we want to have an idealistic view of baseball, when you start talking about scholarship, what you're talking about is money. And yep. when you're talking about money, you're talking about business, whether we yep. want it to be that way or not. And you right. and I both know, and hopefully the parents of the podcast will know, if somebody can do that job better than you after one year and they can get your scholarship, Yep, we it's 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 that's the way it's going to go. 
You know, they're gonna right. they're gonna put the be- they're gonna field the best team, uh, whether they think you're a great kid or they, whether they like you or whether you work hard, all that stuff. If there's somebody that could do it better, they're gonna you're not obligated to that scholarship. Um, right. So look, that yeah. leads into the next question. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. The, the, the next question now, which which has been in my experience too, is where I've seen a lot of players that are borderline D1. They go D1 because D1 wanted them. Right. And it's almost like the prom queen asked you out. Mm-hmm. And so you went out because without her, because she's the prom queen, right? And not because yeah. maybe you liked her or was it, you know. And so their opportunities though are in college baseball in Division Two and Division Three. Talk to us about those and, and the realities of those because they're pretty great too. Yeah, so so let me talk for a few minutes about about D two and then I'll talk um, about D three after that. So D two, there are baseball scholarships that are out there, and so generally speaking, this is not universally true, but a lot of the D two schools are maybe smaller state universities, or they may be kind of regional state universities that uh, can offer partial scholarships. And, but like with, so with D1, you're probably playing a regular season of between, you know, 55, 56 games. With D2, you're playing around maybe close to 50 games plus end of the year tournaments if you advance. And so it's a lot of baseball. And yeah. it's very good quality baseball. And I think, um, before I came to Ohio Wesleyan, I had the idea that D2 and D3 were kind of where you went if you just played high school ball. But it is not that way at all. There are some really excellent Division two players, and every year there are a good number of them are taken in the draft because they're good players. Um, with D2, what, the thing to keep in mind, like D1, is the amount of travel, and this gets into kind of the experience of the athlete. Uh, baseball is, from my perspective, baseball and then softball would be comparable, are the two most demanding sports on athletes, on student athletes, because of the amount of time you're going to miss in class. And so that's what it's a lot. You've got these, right. these weekend trips if you're playing away, like you're going to leave on Thursday night, you're going to miss Friday, you might miss Monday. So it's, it's very demanding. And so D2 is going to be a similar demand on your time, but it's very good quality baseball. And I and as you can attest, it's not like the scouts. The scouts are not sitting at home, oh, I wonder which game's on ESPN tonight. That's I mean, if they do that, they're probably not allowed around very long, right? Scouts are doing a lot more work than that. They, they know who the good players are. And if you're a right. D2 and you're a good player – they know who the good players are. Doesn't matter. And, yep, it does not matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter, right? And D3 is the same way. I mean, I would – it depends on, on what you're sort of talking about baseball, what your son's goals are. One of the – a couple things about D3, there are very, very good players in D3, and some of them choose to play D3 ball because with D1 and D2, there are certain demands that are placed upon you and that make it maybe harder to keep, in some cases, the, the life balance and the scholar-athlete balance. Um, we have people who come here because they want to go to law school, and they know that the, the Division three model gives them more flexibility to keep a balance of things. And right. if they come to Division three, there are no athletic scholarships, so you, or you get scholarships through academics. Once you get those, if you keep, you keep the GPA up, they can't take them away. They won't take them away. So you right. get that scholarship for four years. And it, it, yeah, D3 is not where you go if you can't play. There are very good players. Um, we had three guys this last year that got a – a private tryout with a major league team right before the draft because they had great years. So it's um, right. there are opportunities at the D2 and D3 level. Really, it does kind of depend on what your goals are. If you're all in for baseball, that's one thing. If you have a son who really values the balance, then 
like a Division three program is a really good place to look because that's that's part of the ethos of Division three, which is a little bit different. Now, I'm not saying you can't be a good a good scholar athlete at the D one level. You can be, but just the reality of playing sixty games versus forty games regular season, it's different in terms of the pressure it puts on the student athlete. Right. But so there's good, good ball at the D three level. Good. I mean, the D three teams play D one teams in Florida over spring break. And the D1 guys think they're going to roll over them, and they, they often yep. beat them, but they find out these guys are not pushovers. They can play. Well, just here in New Jersey, we have the New Jersey Athletic Conference, which is a f- famous. I, th- I don't know the number no. of national champions that have come out of D3, uh, D3 in right. New Jersey, but it's, I can think of four schools that have won it in the past you know, whatever, 15, 20 years. I know a few have won multiple. Yeah. So it's a great Division three thing here, too. Let me add this thing in there. <clears throat> that D1, you can, you can go, uh, and, and I'm still thinking of that quote. The quote I was thinking of is, like, it's, it's better to be a weed in, uh, I forget, like a weed in, in Texas or a flower. I forget. I'll think about it. But the whole idea was sometimes it's better to be uh, a, a something small where you fit rather than something big amongst everybody else. So I'll think of the quote. Right. Really good one. There's, there's, there's a big <laughs> fish, right? Be a, it's better to be a big fish in a little pond than a little fish right. in a big pond. There's that, that kind right. of idea. Something like that. Sure. Yeah. Something like that. But that's yeah. just one way I think of it's funnier. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but, so the thing here is I've seen in, 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 in the guys that go, with D, go to D1 with their borderline D1, they get there. They don't like sitting on the bench. They don't like that maybe they're not developing. And a lot of the guys that I've coached have come home and gone to regular schools. They kind of waste a year. So from a, a development standpoint, it's, a lot can change by the time you're 17, 18, versus 22. And if you do have those right. hopes of becoming a player, maybe those are going to yeah. be years that you're going to develop. They're not going to be developed on the bench. And, yeah. you know, so if you – if so I've, I've often advised guys, go, go to, to community college even. And, mm-hmm. you know, where you'll play for two years, right. um, develop yourself, and then maybe you could become a Division One school. I don't know how, how it is now, but I know, like, Miami had a, a, division, a, a community college down there that was right. like – it was like Miami prep, you know. Right. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. If yep. I forget the name of it, yeah. Coral Community College. But that's yeah. what they would do is the, is the local players who weren't ready to play at Miami – or didn't want to ride right. the bench. They played there for two years. It's serious baseball. They developed, yep. and then they went to Miami and played, and and went from there. So yeah, yeah it's a great some experience of those, to play. Yeah, some of those guys who go to junior colleges are guys who need to get their grades up, maybe who don't have the grades to get right. into a Miami because University of Miami of Florida is a very good academic school, and so they may need those two years to develop athletically, but also then to to get the grades up to get into the into the school. Uh, but the other thing is. We had we have guys every year who play in some of the the summer wood bat leagues, and there's a prospect league, which is a very good league in this part of the country. There's the Great Lakes Wood Bat League, and these are D1, D2, D3 players. There are some JUCO players, some NAIA players who get on these teams, and so you know our guys are playing in these leagues with guys from the SEC and other places. If you do well at D3, you're going to get a chance to play in a league like that, and in a league yep. like that, you're going to get more exposure. In, in a wood bat league, which, as you know, as a scout, is really important. The difference of the bat is quite important. And yep. so there are opportunities, even starting from the – but if you go to D1 school and sit on the bench versus going to a D2 or D3 school where you really develop, 
you get on one of these summer teams, then you're really getting some exposure. So there are different routes to get there. Yeah. And, and also, too, you know, there, there's just to add on, it, I know in this New Jersey Athletic Conference, lots of kids every year are drafted. Lots right. of kids. Yep. And, and so just to kind of check that box off for parents, look, a scout doesn't care where you are, who you are, where you came from, who you know. If they see what they need to see, that's, that's all that matters. Their job is to, is, to, is to make sure they don't miss any talent. And they, they, they get all the talent that's available in their area. And if they miss somebody, they're not, they're not not taking a player because a coach didn't like you or because you know, that kid's got all the talent in the world, but he's a D3 player. Let's not take it. That's not the way it works. You either have right. it or you don't. And if you got it, they don't care about all the other stuff. So yeah, yeah, we we play the we play the college in New Jersey in the first round of the NCAA regionals this year, and uh, they were good. (laughs) That was a good. Oh yeah. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um. So, uh, well, I I also for two years I coached at Elizabeth High School, which was a nationally ranked high school program, and we sent a lot of kids to to Kane, Rowan, uh, William Patterson, Montclair State, and the College of New Jersey. And there's you know there's great. you know, great baseball there. So let me ask yeah. you this, and uh, the majority of the dads that are listening to this have kids between the ages of, let's say, 7 and 15. What, yeah. Let's talk about this in pieces. What does somebody do? you got a little guy. You know, you got somebody who's 13 and under. What, 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 what should they be talking about as far as college? Well, a, a big thing is grades. Grades are so important. Amen. And yep. Because I'll tell you, I mean, imagine if you're – let me use a scenario. I'm so glad you said that. Go, I'm so, I'm oh, so glad. Just so everybody knows, critical. we don't script anything. So let's, we don't script anything in this show. And I'm so glad that you said that because that's exactly the answer that, that I want. It's exactly what every dad here needs to, to hear. Yeah. It's because what, when you're looking at guys, you've got a list of a, a whole bunch of guys you could look at. And one of the things you don't want to do as a coach is you don't want to get a guy into your program – who uh, every two weeks you're going to be having to deal with academic problems, and you don't know if he's going to be eligible, and you don't know. I mean, you, you just there's enough caretaking of of players as it is. These are young men; they're developing 18 and 22. They're erratic in some ways. If you have someone who's an academic issue, that's just that's a headache, and it doesn't mean that they'll exclude you. But I can tell you, like it, when when coaches look at guys. And they see a good GPA, and across the board, in all the sports that we recruit in, there's a sigh of relief. Okay, that's that's good. Now they can get serious about that athlete. Now it's not that you right. can't get a second chance, but but boy, if if you're coming out of high school with a 2.4 GPA, you're making it really really hard for somebody to recruit you, right. because that admissions office, they, they, if the admissions people are the ones who make the decisions, not the coaches. And uh, you got to give them something to work with. The other thing is at the Division three level, because there are no athletic scholarships, a lot of places like our school have academic scholarships, and, and not just for the straight-A students, across a range of, of grades and test scores. And you can put yourself in a better position to get more money by having stronger grades. And, uh, yeah. and they communicate something to the coaches that you're serious, you're going to take care of your, of your business. You do it in the classroom, you're going to do it on the field. You don't do it in the classroom, they're going to wonder what you're going to do on the field, frankly. Right. Right. I always tell that's guys, a, a grades, yeah. Yeah, I, I always tell grades give you options. And, and it gives yeah. you options to do a lot of things, gives the coaches options, everything. So 
So all right. the guys that are coaching guys that are 13, high school and under, if you're if you yeah. want to set them up to have options in college, start with grades. Yeah. All right, let's go through real quick. What is yeah. a freshman in high school? Or, or you you tell me at the stages. I don't want to go for you know freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, unless that's where you want to go. But sure. at, at what stages do they need to be thinking what when it comes time to high school? Because as we know as dads, you blink, and right. four years goes by. You know. Yeah. So it yeah. goes fast. What do they need to focus on? Um, well, so the grades are one thing, obviously. But as you progress, especially by the time you get to you're playing summer ball, like uh, 15U and up, is be prepared. And what I mean by that is, so we have uh, on our field, we have a lot of summer pro, uh, summer tournaments that come through, 15U up through 18U. And these select teams from all parts of the Midwest come and play on our field. And what – what baffles me and frustrates me is how unprepared many of the coaches are. So the point of playing in those tournaments is to get noticed. And right. so we're out there. We have staff out there. We have to be there at the field. We're watching players. And after games, I've gone up to coaches and said, hey, you know, we noticed these guys. They're, they're maybe they're sophomores, they're rising juniors or rising seniors. Um, can you give us a roster with some information about them? And the coach will look at me like, why would you want that? And I want to look back at him like, well, why are you coaching a traveling team? Aren't you coaching a traveling team to get these kids exposure, to get them recruited? So um, if you are coaching a team or if your son is on a team once you're in high school, make sure that they are prepared. Uh, there's one local traveling team that we actually have a sheet that stays in our press box because it's the model. They have a sheet for their team with all the kids' names, their high school, their GPAs, their test scores, um, their contact information. It's all right there. And those kids are more likely to get recruited because they're prepared. Um, as you get older, be individually prepared. I, I was at a restaurant coming home from a travel game two weeks ago, saw a dad and his son sitting there with like a high school age kid. I just up started talking to him. He's a potential recruit. And uh, I sent him an email that night and said, hey, you know, let us know if you want more information. He sent me an email back. Here's my name. Here's my GPA. Here are my stats for the summer. Here are my coach's telephone numbers and email addresses. Like, it's all right there. I just handed it over to our coach, and he's got everything he needs. So right. prepare him academically, prepare him with sports, but, like, have the information that coaches want. And that includes not just stats. That includes GPA, test scores. Like, have that stuff ready to go. That's, uh, right. And that gets more important as you go. Because, as you, as you know, by the time you're a senior, uh, you, you don't usually get recruited the spring of your senior year for baseball. It's that junior, sophomore and junior years are really critical. Unless something miraculously changes, you know, I've which, seen which can it. happen, seen right? It. it can happen. Yeah, I've yeah. seen it, but I mean, but I mean, you're talking about somebody who went through a growth spurt or something, you know, something changed. Yeah. But yeah, it's better to be prepared. Not just add this too. Don't hide anything. The worst thing in the world is when you try and hide a bad test score or try and hide a 40 yard dash time or try and hide something. Because no matter how hard you try and hide it or try and become something you're not, I always tell guys that are going into scouting or, or guys that are that, that players that are going to camp, the worst thing in the world is unmet expectations. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's true. And I end yeah, up, that's and true. I end up seeing another. It's like, ugh, it's it's worse than in in. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, there was <clears throat> when when I first year I was scouting, there was two players in New Jersey, both were potential first round picks. And the one father uh, was very, very aggressively organizing uh, these private tryouts, would invite scouts in mm. to see his son. 
And then he brought in this, and, and, the, and the first one he organized was with this other first-round pick. And what he, uh, and what he did is he, he, was, he was kind of selling. He was an influential guy in baseball. He was selling his son as a, at the level of this other player. Mm. And when we got there, the first kid hit, who was a first-round draft pick, was a student of mine. Um, and then this kid hit. And what we walked away saying was, now the first kid, he's a first-round pick. The second kid, we know he's not. It was, yeah. like, definitive. And it was basically we showed up there thinking we were going to see two first-round draft picks, and we saw one, and we were very clear the other one wasn't. And it was like a letdown. And it was kind of like it changed. It's hard to, it's hard, hard to describe, but it kind of changed the way you felt about uh, the player. It's hard to look objectively when you have, you know, scouts are people too. And it's hard to look objectively, um, but had they said, we think this kid is a top five pick, top five round pick, and the other kid's a first round pick, we would not have went in, we would not have had kind of uh, our, our expectations, uh, you know, kind of not met, you know, so. Right. Um, yeah. Don't hide, don't hide anything. Yeah. If there's anything to hide, yeah. don't hide it, show it. And don't, so, be, it, don't be the over-aggressive dad, right? You want to be helpful as a dad, you want to be prepared, but don't be that dad that the coach is going to look at and say, this guy is so pushy. I don't know if I want him around for four years. That's the other end, right? If you're going to hyper control everything, you don't want to be that bad either. <laughs> yes, because uh, th- as we both know, that stuff gets talked about. You know, yep. so you know you want to make sure that you're helping your son, and you're not saying like, "Hey, you know, this kid's a good player, but I'm going to have to talk to this guy every day." You know, right. or, or or this guy's going to be showing up in my office, or. You know, this guy's going to be questioning things that I'm doing. And um, so that's what I, w- I would say. The other thing, the last thing, and I'm going to ask, ask you for your final comments, but the last thing I would add is wh- when you do pick a college and you do pick a program, make sure from a player's perspective, you're looking at that coach, you're looking at that program, you're looking at the people in that program. That's going to be your kid's parent for the next four years. Yep. And they're going, to be, they're going to be entrusted with taking care of your son. Now, your son will be 18, he'll be a man, but he's still a developing man. And it's still a critical stage, and we know 18- to 20-year-old kids need parenting still. Um, so just keep that in mind, that, that you're entrusting these people with your child. It's not just about baseball. You know, are they going to deliver your child out of those four years and to be a productive leader, uh, potential father, potential um, husband, and, and so on there? So what, what are your final thoughts, uh, uh, Dave, as we wrap up? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with the last thing you said, and that's, is when you talk, I don't care how good the coach is, personally, I don't care how good a coach a person is. If the person's a jerk, I don't want my son under his tutelage for four years. And so when you talk, if you're getting recruited and you're talking to the coaches, don't be afraid to ask questions like, what's your philosophy of coaching? What are the values you're trying to instill in this program beyond just baseball? And if a right. coach can't answer those kinds of questions, to me, that's a, that's a huge, if it's not a yellow, not a red flag, it's at least a yellow flag. Because right. they spend, forget the actual practice time, they're going to spend a lot of time with this, these coaches outside even that time. And it's uh, you, I, what I tell our recruits is you're thinking about the next four years of your life. The coaches and the faculty are thinking about the next 40 years of your life. And as a parent, that's so important. What, what, are, you, what are you sending your son away to? I think it's good to pay attention to those things. It's, uh, it's nice to have a big school and nice to wear the, the sweatshirt with a certain school on it. But um, what, what direction are they moving? The people who are around them are going to influence who they become. And that's a whole other part of the recruiting process that, that we emphasize because we think we have a good product here, and if, I would certainly encourage parents to pay attention to that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Dave, thanks so much for taking the time and um, and, and sharing with us. I, I just really appreciate it. Grateful that, that, that you would make the time for us. Oh, I'm happy to do it because I, I meet with parents all the time, and especially with baseball, there's so much just misunderstanding about things. And, and I just I want people to have the best chance, for their kids to have the best chance, and for the parents to have the best experience in the process. That's something that I'm passionate about. So I thank you for the time to, to, to talk about these things and maybe help somebody out along the way. Awesome, awesome. Hey guys, it's Paul again. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. We really hope you got a lot out of it. We have so much more to come for you. And thank you so much for trusting us with your baseball education and also the development with your child. It's something that we take very seriously and really means the world to me and the rest of the staff here at Paul Rick Baseball and Baseball Dads Podcast. So thank you so much. We would love it if you would leave a five-star rating and a great review of this podcast. That's how it helps us get the word out about the podcast so that other dads can share in this information that we need so much. Also, don't forget to go to Baseball Dads Newsletter where you can get a free trial subscription in our Baseball Dads Newsletter. Again, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I can't tell you what it means to us that you would tune in, and we're just loving bringing this information to you. So, again, thank you so much, and we'll see you on the next show. Hey, it's Paul Reddick. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. I want to let you know I have a new book out specifically for Baseball Dads, and I would love for you to check it out. You can go to BaseballDadsBook.com. All the information is there and a pretty good discount for our podcast listeners. So again, it's BaseballDadsBook.com. Thanks.